Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Katie Snevice. Hello, Katie. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I feel like I say this every time, but it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. How about that new theme music for our podcast? It's so I love it. It's upbeat. It's fun. It's mm-hmm. just it's a little out of the box for Amar, which is yeah. super cool. How did you land on it? Well, Barry, our well, I, he sh- he is no longer our new producer because he's been working for us since July because Alex, his predecessor, took a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Barry looked for music for this new bonus segment that we're going to do. It's going to be tacked on to the show that's on the last Friday of every month called Miles of Books. So he sent me, gosh, I don't know, eight choices, and I liked so many of them that I was like, oh, I wish we could change the music for the regular podcast. And we're like, well, why not? You can. You're in charge. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> and I uh, particularly love the name of this one. It's called We'll Get There Together. So it's just too perfect, right? It really is. I mean, it's almost like you made that up and then just <laughs> renamed it because that is the theme song, truly, for AMR. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Perhaps a, perhaps a new shirt in our uh, Mother Runner store is percolating right now. So, Katie, you and I were talking the other day. And I am in awe of the winter sports that you do on weekends. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of funny because if you would have asked me, well, when I was living in Chicago and I'm not from Chicago and it was so cold, I mean, my... I, my eyelashes would freeze when I would be waiting outside and walking to meetings and work, whatever. And then it just got even worse when I lived in New York that I would actually enjoy being outside on the weekends doing sports. I would have been like, you're crazy. That would, that would never happen. (laughs) Um, but I do think it's just, it's, you know, I live in Colorado, so we have access to all of these amazing things that we can do up in the mountains. And so we, you know, we t- have taught the girls to ski. I mean, they were all on skis at the age of one, two, three. Wow. So it's, it's pretty fun. It's a fun family sport too. We are, I feel like I always try to find things that my husband can do with, the, with us because we have three girls you know, sometimes it's, he's not into the same things as we are, right? You know, he doesn't want to go shopping or go to Claire's or bake. I mean, it's just not what he's really into. So skiing is a fun family sport. So that's something that we've done for years, but then we've also started hiking a lot. And I think that is because our dog, he loves, loves, loves to hike, but we've been doing it outside in the winter. Um, we've been snowshoeing, a little bit of ice skating, which I'm horrible about. I know, horrible it was act. the ice skating that made me, I was like, wait a minute here. I did hear about ice skating. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's take it down a notch. I mean, I am not, you know, Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan by any means. I am out there and God, that shows my age when I, that's my first right. ice skater that I can reference. 
<laughs> but it's fun. The girls really like to do it and they're not good at it either, but they love to just go out there and twirl around and have fun. And we've definitely gone and ice skated before, which is, which is really fun. And it's an outdoor rink. It is an outdoor rink. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is an indoor rink near us here in Denver, mm-hmm. but we like to go to an outdoor rink. I mean, it's beautiful. Like it's, you know, in this really pretty setting and, mm-hmm. but it's, it hurts when you fall. I mean, it, it, it sure really does. does. I mean, yes. And you're not short. You're five, nine. Totally. It's, yeah. it's like me when I would snowboard back in the day. And I mean, I felt like I should yell out timber as I was falling. I mean, it, it was a exactly, long way down. <laughs> exactly. And I think, I mean, no, I mean, that's exactly right. And so I skate just to kind of like have fun with the girls. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit out and watch you guys. So it is, I'm not trying to win any awards. And the people who go out there who are really good skaters, it's, it's a, it's a complicated sport. I mean, balance, core work. I mean, everything just has to be spot on. And those are not my finest traits. So it's pretty fun though. I vividly remember the first time I ever went ice skating. I came downstairs some Saturday when I was in fourth grade and my mother said that my friend Mark Lawler, that his mother had called and asked if I wanted to go skating. And I guess I slept late enough so that it was almost time to go. And uh-huh. she had said yes without checking with me. And I was Ooh. so excited to go. Yes. I had one friend who was a girl when I was little and all the rest of my friends were boys. And okay. so it was not unusual. It wasn't like a date or something in fourth yes. grade for the record. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I just, I mean, I can picture it clear as a bell in my mind as I'm talking about it right now. It's just, it's fun. And I don't know, you always, I always feel like I'm part of a movie because so many movie scenes are set at ice skating rinks, you know, kind of like early romance or, you know, I don't know, just exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I agree. It is. And I think to your point about like bringing back childhood memories, I think that's what it does for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone remembers. I, I remember when I ice skated for the first time, I actually fell and cracked my head open and oh. I didn't have to get stitches, but it was, it was bad enough that I was like, I don't want to do that again. Like, no, thank you. I do not want to do that again. So I took, you know, several decades off and have started to do it again. Oh my goodness. I should also add that, uh, just came back to me. My first ever little boyfriend asked me out while we were skating on pond. Sarah, of course. Yes. So cute. (laughs) Well, we are not talking all about ice skating today. We're talking about (laughs) half marathons on this episode with our guest, Beverly Asante Pushman. Beverly is a certified distance running coach and a certified nutrition coach. She's also author of a new book called Ace the Half. And it's a short tome that covers pretty much everything you need to know to train for and complete a 13.1 mile race. Beverly shares what she learned on her own journey to being a half marathon runner after numerous years of inactivity, after being a competitive high school and university athlete, and she's now a mother runner of one, and she's joining us from Switzerland, which just, you know, there's kind of a winter sport element to that. We couldn't have planned it more perfectly, truly. (laughs) I know, I know. And I want you to be the co-host, Katie, because you have said time and time again that you think the half marathon is just the perfect race distance. I do love the half. I think it's, it pushes, it challenges me just speaking for myself Mm -hmm. mentally and physically, but not, it doesn't kill me like a marathon does. Mm -hmm. So I, Mm -hmm. I do, I love it so much and I am running. I'm, Need to get on that and start training for one um, in May. I've been sick the past couple of weeks, so I haven't really been able to run very much. But hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll really start getting getting down to business for that. Yes, exactly. And don't crack your head while you ice yes. skate because I think that might take you out of contention. Seriously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Bev. I know it's late there in Europe. 
Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It is late. It, well, it's not super late, but it's getting evening. Yeah. <laughs> Bev, we always like to ask our guests about how they got into running. So I'd love to hear about your early athletic journey because I know there are a couple steps in between there and now. So what did you do in your earlier years as an athlete? Yeah, so I guess my athletic journey started with about nine in third grade. The sports teacher used to take us down to like this big field and we would run around it. And we, you know, I, my goal was always to get to the end fastest, you know, mm-hmm. there was always mm-hmm. one boy that I just simply couldn't beat because it was co-ed, the whole class would go down. And that's where really like the competitive gene kind of hit and where I started, you know, <laughs> doing that. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness. And then you participated in athletics in university, but then it sounds like you kind of fell off the sporty wagon. Yeah, I totally fell off the wagon. So I caught some pretty terrible virus at the end of college, and it really put me flat on my back for like 16 hours a day. I was just sleeping. It was really horrible. But I did graduate. And then after that, I kind of, because I'd been training with the team the whole time, it kind of like felt like I just didn't have the discipline to like keep going on my own. And I had, I went to work for an investment bank. So it was pretty busy times. And I just stopped running altogether. It was somehow from one day to the next. Mm. Mm. And it sounds like you went through a pretty amazing journey from not doing much at all to a half marathon finisher. Tell us how you made that leap. Yeah. So I ran competitively for 13 years from like nine to 22. So then I kind of took a break for about 13 years. I was really, I hardly did any exercise at all. I had little spurts where I ran a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then I'd met my husband in my early twenties and we've been together and he was always like, you know, Bev, I heard from all your college friends, you're such an athletic beast. You know, why don't you start running again? (laughs) And I was was like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. And then it was kind of funny because I was at work and we had a step competition. It was to get office people, you know, Mm -hmm. off their seat and moving. Mm -hmm. And I had this team that recruited me as our team captain. They're basically all amateur athletes. And I didn't really know this getting into this. So I said, okay, fine. You know, guys, let's let's do this. So we started and then we started getting more and more steps. And then we were actually second in our company pretty quickly. So then I said, (laughs) that's it. We're going to win this challenge. (laughs) So I needed to find a way to get more steps. And since they were all running and I could run in the past, I was like, that's it. I announced I'm going to do it a half marathon. And that's like, that's where the journey started. So that's amazing. I mean, a corporate challenge to a half marathon. That's pretty cool. Mm, Nice. So then what prompted you to become a coach and then write a book about half marathons? So I have to admit, like when I get into a topic, I'm kind of a geek. So I read like everything I can find. So when I wanted to run this half marathon, I started reading like everything from nutrition to training plans to whatever you can imagine. Right. And then I was talking to like pretty experienced half marathon runners and marathon runners. And I realized that even though a lot of these amateur athletes were at a really high level and getting really good times, a lot of them weren't even really that structured about their training. And there was like a lot of information that I was exchanging with them. But then I kind of realized like, wow, this is kind of interesting. I'm talking to all these people. So somehow I just got started writing this stuff down during a sabbatical. And then I was like, oh, you know, let me do a coaching certification so I can actually know it in a structured way. So that's kind of what motivated me to, to do that. Mm. I just find it so interesting, people who find a topic and then they just educate themselves about it and then turn it into, you know, kind of a business or just Mm. become more of an expert of it. I admire people who do that. So I am also a lover of half marathons. It just seems like it's a really fun distance for me. It's something and I will admit that I do not follow training plans very well. It's just Mm. not in my DNA. (laughs) And I think that's why for me, I'm not saying this is the way that you should do it. 
I like half marathons because I know that with my running that I do consistently, I can probably go run one, you know, mm-hmm. in in a short amount of time in terms of training for it. So that's my yeah. guilty reason why I like half marathons. Why mm-hmm. is that your sweet spot? I mean, have you run a lot of fulls? Have you, you know, 10Ks? I mean, why is 13.1 really the one that you love the most? Yeah. So I'll admit, I have not run a full and I don't particularly right now plan to run a full. I have a a son who's 12 and, you know, I'm married. So I feel like I want to spend the time with my family. And I feel like a full marathon for me is a commitment of time that's bigger than I really want to make right now. Mm -hmm. So I like the half marathon because it's a distance that's, I think, very doable in terms of getting there for most people. Yes. And also it's a, it's a distance that you can recover from pretty quickly as well, because, you know, recovering from a marathon, it's, it's a longer recovery, right? So I really like it because it's something that I think most people can set themselves as a goal, particularly also if they do want to run a full marathon. I think it's an ideal distance in many ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Stick with us to learn a lot about training for and completing a half marathon. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, Bev, so as a coach, what sort of base of fitness do you like to see someone have at the start of training for a half marathon? I'm asking this question for our audience, but also for me personally, because I'm about to start training for a half in May. I mean, it doesn't matter too much. But yeah, I mean, if somebody is already at a level of like, you know, 10, 15 miles, then that's a good level to start. But technically, you can start with less, but you have to train for longer, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, normally, if people have come off of a 5k, 10k race, then that's kind of a good starting point. But you can start from a couch to a 5k start there. It's just a longer journey. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the ideal length of time to train for a half marathon? I mean, are you a, you know, 12 week gal, 15 weeks? What's your ideal? I personally like the programs that are a little longer, more for the 15, 16 weeks. Mm -hmm. I think they're good because they up the mileage gently. But I also Mm -hmm. think particularly for people who are, let's say, a little bit more injury prone, that's Mm -hmm. definitely something that's like really critical. Mm -hmm. I kind of like having the longer ramp up. That's kind of my preference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is the biggest misconception about doing a half marathon? Ah, okay. Well, (laughs) the one thing I hear a lot, you know, there's there's like one thing I hear a lot, which is essentially, you know, I could never run that far. (laughs) And I'm like, I really think for a lot of people, it's a mental game thing. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly people who are, who maybe haven't run in the past or not much or like aren't running at the moment. They're like, oh, I'm not fit enough or like, you know, stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. If you could put on, because you are also a nutrition coach, hat for a minute, and we'd love to have some advice about fueling pre-race. I mean, we always are interested in what kind of pre-race breakfast and what advice do you give the folks that you coach? Like what would be your ideal breakfast and some other tools that you give people before the race? Yeah. So like I said, I'm a bit of a numbers geek as well. So I like (laughs) to actually calculate people's 
how many carbs to do like in the carb loading phase and also like, you know, on the morning before and, and during the race. Mm-hmm. So I would sit down and calculate that. But and also just look at like, you know, where are the fueling stations and like, you know, where does it make sense to have what kind of fueling and stuff like that, which is it's always good to have a plan. Sometimes it changes because you don't actually find what you need at the fueling station. Right. <laughs> so it's good mm-hmm. to be flexible as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. in terms of breakfast, like normally something like, for example, a white bagel with jam. I mean, obviously, depending what part of the world you're in, you eat different things for breakfast anyway. So like in Europe, we eat a lot of bread, you know, mm-hmm. at least in the German speaking mm-hmm. world. And so anything that's like not too much fiber, not too much fat, you know, nothing sure. to not like bacon and eggs, maybe, but, you know, something carby and something simple and not too fibery. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another reason we need all need to move to Europe so that we can eat bread with abandon and not, you know, feel we have to do it shamefully in a closet somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, this is a big bread culture. The, you know, Germany, Switzerland, Austria. That's so interesting. I think of France more as a bread-centric culture. Mm. I mean, the baguette, I think, is mm. a cultural icon, deemed yeah. a cultural icon in France, like an official status. Yeah. So I didn't know that. <laughs> My mother had a lot of German heritage and she was all about potatoes. Oh, yeah. So another fabulous starch, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, they eat a lot of sourdough bread. So a lot okay. of the, like, mm. you know, rye mm-hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. Okay. That's why you specified white bread or white bagel. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I wouldn't go for like, you know, you're probably okay eating dark bread, but maybe oatmeal is a little bit too much fiber, depending how your stomach reacts to stuff like that. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and how about fuel during training runs and on race day? I am, even though we have our video off, I'm looking at Katie when I say this, as I think that some folks don't take in enough calories on training runs and during the half marathon and they'd feel a whole lot stronger if they did. Guilty, yes. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> particularly the training runs. I think people may be more conscious on the race day is my experience, but I think people frequently don't do enough on training. I think sometimes people also just forget that maybe taking stuff along or even just water because, you know, if you go on a, like a two-hour run, I think it, it definitely makes sense to take some fuel and some water. But yeah, the fuel mm-hmm. is a very important. And I, I personally always like to tell people, you know, start refueling within the first hour. So like w- after about 40 minutes or something like that, like don't okay. wait until you're hungry or tired, you know, like you need to do it before you're out of the fuel. Mm-hmm. You got to stay ahead of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And back to the the training programs and the the mileage. You know, I know some people think for a half marathon, your longest run should be, um, you know, 11, 12 miles because the thinking might be that adrenaline can carry you through that last bit. Mm. But also I'm a big believer in kind of going past the distance in mm. training so that you have that confidence. You, you know that you can cover the distance. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I actually do like setting that up as well. If there's enough time in the training plan to go past the distance, I totally agree. It certainly gives people more experience to to get to the distance and and also not be as fatigued when you get to the 13.1. But Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer that if there is enough time in the training plan to really do the extra miles. Mm -hmm. So remind us, how many kilometers is a half marathon? Um, (laughs) 21.096, I believe. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's like a really odd, well, we just call it 21.1. Okay. All right. So, but are they called half marathons in Europe or no? Yeah, they're called half marathons. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So any training hacks you have, um, you know, I consider dynamic cool down exercises and agility drills. That for me, they they make it so I can make a shift when fatigue sets in during the Mm. later miles of a race. Do you have any that you can share? Well, I don't know if you call it a training hack or not, but the one thing I always tell people is like, you know, try to do the negative splits, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. First of all, if you're going out on your long run, like try to finish strong. So try to do the second half a little faster. And also like if you're doing like a tempo runs or intervals or any of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, I think it really helps people to manage their energy and, and also like their intensity. So I really mm-hmm. say like, you know, on the intervals, I'm, I'm pretty strict with people. I say, look, I want you to finish as strong as you started, because then you also have to mm-hmm. really think about how you're going to run this. Mm-hmm. And how often when you do a half marathon, how often do you negative split? Hmm. <laughs> do you to say as you do, not as yeah. you do? <laughs> uh, I, I'm just trying to think. Because hmm. I'll, I'll admit um, that I, I've done 14 marathons and uh, I've only negative split one of them. Yeah, it is hard. I mean, mm-hmm. in training, I will really try to stick to that, oh. you know. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if the half marathon then works out. I mean, the one thing I think that a lot of runners can struggle with with the half marathon, you know, when you have a lot of people there and people are cheering, especially at the start, right. is like mm. that you just, I know I've done that too many times, like just gone out too fast. And it's such a simple mistake, but it's so hard to keep your horses back and go slow in the beginning, you know? It yeah. is. Exactly. Is your husband or son, are they runners? Um, yep, both of them. So my uh, son is on the track team, he, on the local track team, and my husband is also an avid runner as well. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Do you guys all run together? Yeah, we used to um, do it more. So actually, it used to be like often when my son was a bit younger, he would take his bicycle and then my husband and I would run. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now my husband's <laughs> he's gotten like super fit. So he's like a lot faster than I <laughs> There were times when I was faster than him, but now he's like really fit. Plus, he's like often training for a race, too. And and I coach him and then he needs to keep a certain intensity level. And I, I just can't keep that right now. So sure. Mm-hmm. So back to the negative splits, my business partner and I see them in different ways. She Mm -hmm. thinks to hold back on the first Mm -hmm. and then just kind of moderately increase. And then I definitely see it as really putting the hammer down at the end. I mean, Mm -hmm. do you think it's a balance of the two of them? Yeah, I'll definitely tell people, you know, go out a little slower, but then yes, try to really, you know, accelerate towards the end. I had one athlete that did a race last year and they really took it seriously. Like when I said, empty the tank on the last five kilometers. Well, mm-hmm. this person emptied the tank after 15. So it was six kilometers <laughs> where wow, they wow. were really almost sprinting. And I was like watching. I was like, oh my gosh, this person's going to die. This person's going to die. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, if you can't, I mean, it's like you said, you know, it can be really hard. I mean, but sometimes in the last five, you're just so dead. It's like not going to happen. But I say empty the tank if you can at the last three to five mm-hmm. Depending how you're feeling, right? Oh, I gotta tell you that empty the tank used to be my mantra. That was that was that was my total goal. My total goal oh, okay. was to get to the finish line with absolutely nothing, nothing left. left. Yeah, yeah. And the on my marathon PR, I did that so much that I was stumbling across oh, the finish line. Wow. I, I mean, so that it I had timed it almost perfectly, but maybe yeah. there was I don't know a hundred yards left that were a serious struggle. Yeah. So, oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you really emptied the tank on that one. I, I did. I did. <laughs> But you did it. You finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there, there was my older daughter at age five watching mom just, you know, stagger toward the finish line. Oh, so- my gosh. I have a story on that. You, you want to hear a funny story? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, please. Okay. So, you know, here I am. I was this is when I was preparing for my first half marathon and I decided to do a 10K to like prepare. Right. So as a mm-hmm. pre- preparation race. And my son must have been about, not sure, like three or four or something like that. And my son and my husband came to watch. And the race was a complete disaster because my watch broke down. I was way too fast going out. And I was just Mm. struggling to get to the end, right? And I was Mm -hmm. trying to do like a sub 60-minute 10K. And then I asked my son the the next day at breakfast on on Sunday, I said, so, Louis, 
what did you enjoy about the race? And he goes, Mama, I liked how you were so slow at the end. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> that is too good. Uh, little kids say anything. They say anything. They're just so adorable. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, then that brings up my next question, which is what mile or miles do you think are the most challenging in a half marathon? <sighs> I got to say, for me, it's been a while since I've done one, but I always struggle from about nine to 11. Yeah. It's, you know, far enough into the race to be tired yet too far from the finish line to get that adrenaline jolt. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that that boils down to about the same kilometers that I would say are hard. The last mm-hmm. 5k is definitely, I mean, I just, what I noticed is for myself, you know, around the last 5k, you just like, you don't even notice your watch buzzing on a kilometer anymore. You're like, you just don't remember anything that was on the side of the road. You know? <laughs> it's <laughs> like you're just trying to get to the end and it's like your brain is blue and you're like okay you know it seems like all the detail just becomes a blur you know but yeah, yeah I would definitely say like that last quarter and I know having talked to other runners a lot of them say you know mile nine ten is just hard <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's tough yeah. so what yeah. do you tell people who find themselves shifting to a walking pace in a race because they feel yeah. the challenge is too great to keep running to the finish line yeah. which is you know, it happens to a lot of people and yeah. it's hard to get your mojo back after you walk and start running again, in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it can be. On the other hand, if someone's like really, really struggling, then sometimes taking like, you know, telling yourself, OK, I'm going to walk to that lamppost mm-hmm. and then just, you know, start running mm-hmm. again is OK, too. Yes, I agree. I do that with myself when I'm running just, you know, on a regular run. I'll be like, oh, I might stop here for a second and I will start running again at that tree. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's all these mental mind games that I play with myself that it but yeah. it helps. You're right. It just mm-hmm. I think for me, it'd be hard to do that in a race. But during a training yeah. run, it's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it also yeah. depends on, you know, what your expectations are. I mean, for the folks who say, oh, okay, I'm totally fine with walking and we support, you know, as a current walk runner, um, I support that completely. But, you know, if you've told yourself, okay, I'm going to run the entire distance, it can be, you know, kind of self-deflating in the race and how to come back from that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I also say like, you don't even need to walk, but you can go down to like a really slow run, like, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're still running, but Mm -hmm. just really slow down. I Mm -hmm. mean, I've done that too. Like when I've thought to myself, oh gosh, you know, I really want to just stop. Mm -hmm. I'll just say, okay, you know, let me just slow down to like a really slow run and then I'm still jogging, but then, you know, just pick it up again. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because inertia does set in pretty quickly. Yes. So we hear from a lot of gals who run a lot of half marathons in a year. So Mm -hmm. to ensure running longevity and to avoid potential injury, how much time do you advise taking off between half marathons? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think you need at least, you know, a couple of weeks to recover from one. But, you know, if you ran one every two weeks, I'm not sure that would be Mm -hmm. really the best thing either. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's hard to say. I think it's also very individual because, you know, some people will say I can run two, three, four or five a year. Mm -hmm. And then others are like, hey, you know, I go out every second week. So Mm -hmm. it really depends. I, I don't know. I don't really I don't have a specific opinion, but I think people need to do what they think works for them, you know, mm-hmm. 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 it is very specific to the person in their fitness level, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also their injury, how injury prone they are. Right? That's true. That's yeah. true. Do you have any races coming up on your spring race calendar? <laughs> I just had to cancel one of my races that I wanted to register for. Oh, no. <laughs> well, happened? it's mainly because something came up on that weekend that I have to do. And the thing is, it's always a little tricky here because there aren't that many half marathons in the summer. There's hardly anything. Mm-hmm. And so you basically have them 
late kind of spring, early summer, and then you get the rest is kind of in like starting September, October, November, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, it's always like if you don't catch that last one in the spring, then you're kind of mm-hmm. done for the for the spring season. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to definitely try and run one in October. And then I'm going to try and do, I decided to probably do some 10Ks in the spring instead of a half marathon. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'm going to, I've never run a 5K actually. I'm going to oh. do that. <laughs> so <laughs> My I, son wanted to run one. Oh, that's nice. Will you run together? I think we'll try. Yeah, we'll see if we can get a category where we can run together, you know? Oh, that's, oh, that's cool. That's sweet. And then I have to ask, you know, obviously I'm I'm kind of in awe of the fact that you live in Europe. <laughs> you know, so I mean, here I live in Oregon. I've been to California. I go to Washington, mm-hmm. Maryland, you know, wherever for races. So how often do you travel to other countries, which just, although I've gone to Canada for a race, but it doesn't somehow seem as exciting as going to, I don't know, France or Italy for a race. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I've not really raced outside of Switzerland, Mm. but Mm. I did travel to race when I was in high school. So I went to high school in Switzerland and I traveled to Scotland. So that was an interesting race. That was a Scottish Islands Three Peaks race. Mm. And um, that was in the junior category when we went with with my school. So that was six people and we ran three mountains and sailed for three days. It was like a three day race continuous. So in the Highlands, it was the Isle of Jura. Oh, cool. And you would sail, sail from island to island? Yeah, we had to sail from island to island, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, that's exciting. That sounds so just exciting and adventurous. Right. Adventurous, definitely. Yeah, I actually qualified for the team, and uh, and we did uh, we did pretty good. So. <laughs> well, thanks so much for sharing with us, Bev. It's been fun talking with you. Very fun talking to you, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Bye. All right. Well, we're not going to Europe anytime soon, but another mother runner will be on the move. We have two retreats this year. One is in Redmond, Oregon. That's June 9th through 12th. And then we're headed back to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, November 3rd through 6th. And there's just a few spots left in the Redmond retreat. So that's why I keep talking about it at the end of the show, because if you've been thinking about it, don't delay. Head on over to anothermotherrunner.com, mm-hmm. click on events, and you're going to see a drop down menu. There's Redmond register now it is amazing hotel that we're staying in it's in the high desert of oregon it's a landscape probably unlike you've ever seen before it's gonna be a lot of hiking i decided last week that we're gonna talk to a pickleball coach about coming over and giving lessons and then i know once you play once you'll want to keep playing for the rest of the retreat and there's eight gorgeous courts within walking distance of our hotel really charming downtown amazing food very local and fresh and just lots of good times with new friends that you're sure to make. So head on over to anothermotherrunner.com to check that out. And also remember that we do have a firm, which is a payment plan. So you don't have to put it all in one big chunk on your credit card right now. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medore from Fire on the Bluff. Yes, Scott Addison and I had been just pining over him for months and months and months. So anyway, <laughs> so thank See, you for lots la- of romantic memories yeah, for yes, you. Me, thank <laughs> you for letting me relive all of that. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs>